Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am J.P. Mosier. And we're here breaking down the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Fantastic. Got up this morning, went and did a little uh, morning meeting. I work for Enterprise, so two or three times a week I do a morning meeting with my team, and I knocked it out of the park this morning. Great job. Yeah, we talked about camaraderie. Hey. I don't know if anybody can spell camaraderie. Oh. It's a little bit tough. You want to try? Wanna sure. C-A-M-A. Hold on. C-A-M-A. R-A-D-E-R-I-E. I think that's right on. Yeah. That's good. I think I robbed the spelling bee champion. Spelling bee champ. Root of origin, camaraderie. Got, I got German. eliminated from the state spelling bee in seventh grade on the word taxiway and have never heard the end of it from, from many of my friends. I overthought it. Yeah. And um, Thought there was a silent Instead cue. of just like taxiway where the airplane takes off, sure. a taxiway, T-A-X-I-W-A-I-W-A-Y. That's simple. Sure. No, no, no. I thought... Taxi way like W E I G H. I overthought it, and um, and you know I was I was that hot prospect that was supposed to go all oh, the way to the top, and uh, nah mm. blew out your knee. Yeah, the... it should have been. It could have been me spelling Koinonia to win the national spelling bee championship, yeah. but no. Instead, it was Shilun Ching yeah. or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, me, I know that. Yeah, so uh, knocked it out of the park. I kind of Mark McGuire'd it right over the fence. Great job. Didn't uh, Raphael Belliard it. Or you didn't Jose Canseco it. Oh, the ball off, off my the head. top of your head. No, over, yeah. a line shot. So okay. it was a good, good start to the morning. Now I get to hang out with my best bud and talk about some music. That's right. This is my kind of meeting right here. My kind of meeting. We're going to, you know what? We're kicking off a special tribute to the summertime with the next couple of episodes. Uh, and this one is, this one, wow, yeah, I'm, a, my family is originally from Whitwell, Tennessee, and <laughs> I, if you go to my family reunions and weddings and stuff, you'll hear people saying, this and, over at Mom and M's? you don't, uh, yeah, you don't often hear it coming out of my mouth, but it surely just did, this one here is, uh, it's, it's a good one, it's a good one, it's a good one, this one's a good one, uh, we got a great <laughs> summertime song that just puts you in that summer mood immediately, so roll those windows down. Kick back for a minute and enjoy Summer in the City by The Lovin' Spoonful. That's right, it's summertime. Back of my neck getting dirty gritty. Me and Rob are both wearing sunglasses inside. Yeah. And no, we're not. Really. Nope, we're not. No, but... We're not Corey Hart. Ah. Well, I guess that was sunglasses well, at, at night. night, not sunglasses inside. inside. I, I wear, wear my sunglasses inside. inside. Mm. That wasn't okay, bad. all right, good job. We both got on key. Uh, we, and na- we picked the right key. That was, we nailed it. Killed it. Uh, too bad that's not the song we're talking about. Nope. We're talking about Summer in the City, recorded by the Lovin' Spoonful, Written by John B. Sebastian, son of a classical harmonic, uh, har, 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 harmonica class, player, harmonicaist, harmonicist, <laughs> harmonica player. Yeah, classical <laughs> harmonica player John Sebastian. Uh, by the way, 
What's a classical harmonica player? Did you put any thought into that? No. I don't know what that is. You don't often hear a harmonica in... Bach. Yeah, like, like... You know what I mean? Like, you know, at weddings, they play, like, Yezu, Son of Man's Desiring, yeah. but not on a harmonica. It's like Beethoven's fifth, featuring Uncle Hank in his overalls <laughs> yeah. on harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Hank, thanks for stopping by. Wow. Uncle Hank always ready with the classical harmonica. So, yeah, John B. Sebastian, son of classical... Harmonicaist, Harmonicoist, John Sebastian, uh, also written by Mark Sebastian and Steve Boone. It appeared on the Love and Spoonful's album, Hums of the Love and Spoonful, and it reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in August 1966 for three weeks. Yep. Uh, and actually, it was released on a perfect July 4th. What a brilliant idea. 1966. Let's drop a, let's drop a hit on the 4th of July. That's... And absolutely, I mean, a summertime classic. Just an all-around classic anyway, but it it's one of those songs that, you know, sometimes a song just really feels like what it's talking season. about. Yeah, yeah like, White Christmas, come on. Yeah, come on. So, some, some songs just immediately kind of put you in an atmosphere, and, and I don't know if it's a job of the of the writing or of the production or kind of the marriage of the two. Um, but this is one of those songs that immediately I feel the steam coming off the pavement of, of busy sidewalks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that just, ugh, I just feel kind of moist all over and, and not in a good way. Sure. Uh, <laughs> You're right. Uh, so anyway... <laughs> Uh, well, I'm sweaty. I'm sweaty is what I'm trying to say immediately. This song makes me sweaty. But it's it's just perfect for what it's describing. Uh, the lyric is spot on. Uh, the feel is spot on. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about kind of the picture that they paint musically and lyrically. His um, voice sounds like hot summer. Yeah. It does. His voice Man. just sounds like, it does. I'm in the heat of summer. Yeah. Like... <laughs> You kind of expect to maybe just hear him walking down the street singing this like he's upset about it, you know? Yeah. Just in, in like shorts and a kind of a Jimmy Buffett uh, uh, button down, you know, half open with a bucket hat or something. And he doesn't want to spend $3 on a Gatorade. Just, you know, <laughs> he's like, I'm not. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. He's like, got a dollar for a cigarette? Right. You know, that guy. Like, <clears throat> he smokes camels. You know, he smokes camels. Sure. Absolutely. He's into it. Uh, so, during its three-week reign at number one, Summer in the City prevented Little Red Riding Hood by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs and Sonny by Bobby Hebb from reaching number one. Both Do you know those Little records, Red Riding Hood? Yeah. Is that hey, Little Red, Red Riding Hood? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You sure are looking mm-hmm. good. Is that okay. Yeah. Uh, and it, and uh, both of those songs peaked at number two during that time, never hit number one because they got blocked by Summer in the City. Huh. Uh, and I'm going to circle back around, if I can re- remember it, to Little Red Riding Hood a little later in the podcast. Okay, so, uh, cool. How's that for a teaser? Nice. Uh, it is number 401 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Song List. What's so, it sandwich by, do you know? It sits atop number 402, which is Ooh Child by The Five Stair Steps, uh, which could be, I assume it's Ooh Child. It's actually spelled O-O-H. So like, ooh, or maybe oh oh, 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 child. Like I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if I was like 
if it was a normal ooh, I would just go O O H, right? Yeah. And then if it was like ooh, I would go O O O O H. I feel like if I'm putting two dashes in a word, I really want it long. Yeah. So maybe it's like ooh, child. Child. Yeah. Stair steps. Um, so yeah. And then uh, number 400 on that list is Baby I Need Your Lovin' by The Four Tops. Oh, okay. So, good company there. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Ooh Child. I think I've heard it on a commercial or something. I, I'm slightly familiar with it, but uh, I, I don't know. Um, okay, so, a little bit about the Lovin' Spoonful, how about? Um, elected to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the year 2000. Uh, they also recorded the hit, and this just took me, it's one of those things where a lot of times with older songs, I don't know if you're like this, I don't really know who they're by. Okay. They're just songs that have always existed, okay. and my parents listen to them, and you know, whatever. I don't really know where they came from. I'm wondering what so you're sh- going to pick. It shocks me when I also heard that they recorded Do You Believe in Magic. You, yeah, the McDonald's commercial song. Yeah. Is that, uh, do you believe in magic? I, Did it, you ever, do you still sing it? And I hope you do. I hope you have a friend wearing big red shoes. No, I do not. About Ronald McDonald. I do not. That was the McDonald's commercial, man. Crazy town. Awesome. No, but that, I, I would have said those are two different bands. You know what I mean? Um, but there's a... They also do Daydream. You know. They, yeah, and they also do Daydream. So here's what I found out in researching The Love and Spoonful is that they were pretty intentional about... Um, Sounding different with each song. They did it on purpose. Um, they were basically competing with the Beatles. They were kind of, they weren't like America's answer to the Beatles. You know what I mean? They weren't the monkeys, like, you know what I mean? Trying to be the Beatles 2.0. They weren't, they weren't in sync to the Backstreet Boys, but they were peers, peers with the Beatles. They're operating at the same time, in the same era. They're just stateside. And, uh, and so to try and stand out, they were pretty intentional about, you know, let's not necessarily sound in the same on every song. But what they ended up with was a group of hits that really don't sound similar. Like you wouldn't, get, I, I would not have guessed that All those three, three songs came from, from the, the same, same band. band. It's very strange. Uh, and to top it all off, if you just look up their music, they're categorized as a jug band. What? They're categorized as a jug band slash folk band. Which is a band that uses a jug and homemade <laughs> instruments, at least originally. Jug band, blues influence, also widely used to describe bands with homemade instruments, but not necessarily a jug player. Maybe it's because John Sebastian's so sweaty. Maybe so. <laughs> They're just like, oh, he, he must be in a He's jug band. He's in a jug band. And if you, like, picture uh, the Country Bear Jamboree at, yes! at Disney World, right? It's like, you've got not a guy. Disney World, Dollywood. I, Oh, well, also a dollar. Is there one at Disney World? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's where it started. Oh, oh I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you've got, a, all a Gatlinburg thing. you've got a guy playing a washboard, and you've got literally got a guy blown into a moonshine jug. Yeah. You know, and just with that. They're singing Mountain Dew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, you know, and then you've got, you know, a guy with a fiddle or whatever, and a guy playing, a, you know. Spoons. Yeah, spoons. Like playing something on a cigar box, whatever. Uh, that's what they're. That's what the Love and Spoonful is categorized as, a jug band. Um, I don't understand. Um, also, uh, cat- uh, uh, falling in this category are um, juke bands, spasm bands, and skiffle bands. I've never heard of Skiffle I'm, I'm familiar with. Skiffle is kind of that um, British 
you know, just lads on the street. Like the Bee Gees started out as a skiffle band. Uh, you know, the uh, even the, the Beatles kind of had a skiffle thing early on. Um, but spasm bands, I'm unfamiliar with. That sounds like a medical condition <laughs> or something you use to fix a medical condition, maybe. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah, order me some spasm bands. I'm having, I'm down in the back again. Um, Do you know they were almost chosen for the show that became the monkeys? They were almost, no, they, they were almost, the they monkeys. were almost the monkeys. Well, there you go. But they already had a hit song and didn't want to change their name to be monkeys. Whoa. They were like, we've got a hit song. We're good with what we're doing. Thank you for this. But we don't want to change our name to be the monkeys because wow. we already have a hit song with, uh, no kidding. Summer in the city. Yep. Wow, that's pretty cool, huh? So there you go. See, the, you, you just prove my point here that they're they were contemporaries of the Beatles in a very real way. Yeah. They were sort of uh, the Beatles American competition. Um, they're the they're the state side stateside Rolling Stones. Do you know how they became the band? Do you know how they? No. Okay, they were the band formed this way. They were in a group. There was a group called the Mugwumps, which Excuse were me? the Mugwumps. I'll spell it for you: M U G W M P S. The Mugwumps. Okay. And they split. There was four people in this band, and they split. Two of them went to become the Mamas and the Papas. And the others became the Jugwumps. No, oh. the Mamas and the Papas. So Mama Cass wow. Elliott and Denny Doherty split off to become Mamas and the Papas. Okay. And then John Sebastian and Zal Yanovsky split off to become Love and Spoonful. Wow. So Mamas and that? the Papas for California Dreamin'. It's always so cool when when bands, you know, you hear the origin of bands and it's like, actually, they became three other bands. Yeah. You know, it's like the Metallica, Megadeth sure. thing and, you know, that kind of thing. They became Mike and the Mechanics. <laughs> yeah. Mike <laughs> Rutherford, big fan. He split off from Genesis. We'll talk yes. about that later. Uh, wow. Okay. That, man, that's really cool. I'm a big Monkees fan. I know I know you are too. We're going to uh, do a Monkees song soon. Absolutely. Love me some Monkees. Uh, love me some Jugs. There you, know? you go. Love and some Mugwumps. And some Mugwumps. <laughs> I just, uh, you know... Whatever, man. Why did a mug won't? Anyway, uh, that's very cool. Um, so let's let's talk about the song a little bit. Okay. Uh, it was released in 1966 on July 4th. So happy birthday to America yeah. if you were born on July 4th. I don't know. Maybe we released this on July 4th. I don't know how the, those They should have used it in the Independence Day movie. It would have fit. Truly? Right. No. Maybe. Not, not could have. Maybe. No. <laughs> I don't know. Aliens. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum could sing it. Sounds like Aliens. Um so yeah, um, it's a it's got a very it's got a minor feel to the verses, um, and it, it I mean I said it before kind of jokingly, but it really does just kind of feel like a sweaty song. I don't really know how to explain that, but it it you can for me I don't know if it's just I haven't listened to this song a million times, so I don't think it's a thing where I'm just over familiar with it. I think they just nailed it with production and the feel of the song. Especially it, from the 60s. It's pretty good. It's pretty thick. Like, yeah. sounding for... It is. And it just feels like... It It feels like... It doesn't feel like warm sunshine. It feels like a hot sunshine. Miserable. Yeah. Miserable. Yeah. Hot sunshine on, on black pavement. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it, it's not... It's not strawberry fields forever. You know what I mean? No. That feels pleasant. And it's... You feel... It feels like grass and butterflies. Comfortable. Yeah. This... This feels like... Um, you know, dress shoes on hot pavement in, in just sweltering heat. <laughs> and, and I think that's very cool. You know, they did a great job to convey that. Um, the lyrics, you know, talking about the, the pavements hotter than a match head and all this very the, cool. The sounds, the jackhammer. Yeah. They in used in, in the middle of the, in the middle of the song, they use actual, just it's not even samples, just recordings of 
construction equipment. Yeah, uh, there's a, a Volkswagen Beetle car horn in there and some hooves and different hooves, 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 hooves. different things. And the guy that did that, um, it's a radio guy that his name is just the old Jewish sounds guy. <laughs> he came in and did all these sounds for him. They enlisted uh, the help of old Jewish sounds guy. <laughs> I did not get his name for the Meet the Band uh, His son was in the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> uh, he's yeah. the father of old, old dirty... Uh, pastor. Old dirty pastor. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, the old Jewish sounds man. I assume that meant that he was old and Jewish and made sounds. It, not that he made old, old Jewish, Jewish sounds. sounds, like a ram's horn. Shofars. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, but who knows? Maybe he did both. I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, the old Jewish. So, like, if if you were if if somebody came up with a nickname for you, oh, no. that was just what you did. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like literally. Uh, oh, he's the old Jewish sounds man. Yeah. What would you have? What would your nickname man. be, or what would my nickname be? That you might be better to pull one out for me. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You have, any, you have any ideas? Think on it. Chew yeah, on I have it. To, I have to think on that. I would be the. I'd be the uh, fat. Uh, <laughs> middle-aged um, podcast guy. Hmm. It's not as interesting. Doesn't really have the same ring to it as the old Jewish sounds, man. Uh, okay, so anyway. Uh, but this song this song does something that a lot of songs do, but in a different way than most, most songs. This song transitions brilliantly from major key in the verse, to, uh, I'm sorry, from minor key in the verse to major key in the chorus. And it shifts the feel of the song, accompanied by a shift in lyrical content. So the the, the verses are basically like, it's hot and this sucks, and you know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> yeah. summer in the city and I'm miserable. And then on a dime, the chorus shifts into this happy at night. It's a different world. Go out and find a girl. Like it's you know it's good times and whatever. And it's that kind of like warm you know um, party on the rooftops vibe uh, immediately in the chorus. That's fine, you know. It's warm, and but you've got that like lingering sweat of a hard day. But everybody's fine, and everybody's got a red solo cup, and we're chill. <laughs> um, but uh, but most songs, if you hear uh, going from a major, uh, uh, why do I keep doing that? From a minor key to a major key, they're going from what's called the relative minor to the relative major. For example, this song's in the key of. Um, uh, C minor in the verses. Um, so C minor shares a key signature with E flat major. They are the same set of notes. It just uh, it's just which ones are you accenting? You know what I mean? Is the song based on a C minor chord or is it based on an E, e flat major chord? Um, and most songs that transition from minor to major transition in that way. Um, and it's you know like. Let me play you an example, uh, just a classic example. Uh, I love Van Halen. I'll play you a, a classic example of a song that starts with a minor verse and then just goes to a big, happy major chorus in the relative major key. This is uh, Humans Being by Van Halen. Okay, so here we're in E minor feel. Low guitar rock and roll. Mean minor feel. Growl. Right here, we're going to go to a G major. Boom, right there. And now we're in a happy shine on, shine on. Okay, and so what we've done is we've gone to, a, to from a transition to E minor to its relative major key, which means nothing changed in the key signature. We're still using the same set of notes, 
to, to make this, uh, you know, to make this happen the same eight note scale, but we're basing it in G major instead of E minor. What this song does uh, <clears throat> is it transitions to a totally different major key. Um, so the verse is in C minor and it kind of uh, walks down this C minor, C minor over B flat, A diminished, A flat. Okay, it gives you that boom, 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 boom. And then uh, walks down to the G, G over B, C, goes back to the C, and then goes from the C minor to the C major, hotter than a match hit, to an F. It uses a, it, so it, it changes the C minor chord. To, the to, five a, to a C major chord, which becomes the five chord to set up the new key of F. Cool. Um, and so, the, so the, the verse is in C minor, and the chorus is in F major. Uh, so it's really a, a unique way to kind of get there. And there's lots of interesting chord changes in this. I won't bore everybody with all of them. But I think that's one that's noteworthy, because that doesn't happen very often. The, I don't want to say the lazy thing to do, but the kind of natural thing to do, if you want to go minor feel to major feel is use the relative key because it's built in. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no difficult transition to get there, but they had to get creative to pull, to pull off what they did to be able to go from C minor and then turn that into a C major without it sounding weird because they do it and you almost don't even hear it. Um, and then using that C major to set up this F major, um, chorus. I know your name. You're the simplified theory guy. Oh, oh that was good. Simplified theory guy. Don't forget fat. It's fine. No, if we're going to go no, simplified theory. If he's then, the old, uh, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> the adjective is important. Okay. Okay. Then I'm the pasty meet the band guy. Here we go. Let's, <laughs> let's meet the band. band. <laughs> hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. We're going to meet the band of The Lovin' Spoonful. Um, we touched on them a little bit earlier, but John Sebastian on lead vocals, organ, acoustic guitar, auto harp, and he helped with the sound effects with okay. the old Jewish sounds guy. So um, We talked about his dad earlier, the classical harmonica player. Godmother was Vivian Vance, who is Ethel on I Love Lucy. Whoa! This is Godmother. Okay. Uh, I was like, where do I know her name from? Yeah, but, Ethel but... from from I Love Lucy. Grew up around Burl Ives, um, so he hung out with Burl Ives a lot. He's the guy, voice of the red and gold. Nailed it. Yeah, voice of the snowman yeah. and Rudolph. Um, so yeah, I grew up hanging around him. Great songwriter. Yeah, kind of a Burl Ives guy. Big deal. Big big, big deal. Um, following the Love and Spoonful, he became uh, known for as a playwright. Um, so he wrote plays. Um, he wrote one called Jimmy Shine, which wouldn't have been a big deal except that Dustin Hoffman was in it, in this play, and it was the last thing he did after The Graduate. Huh. So after The Graduate, he went and did this play called Jimmy Shine that John Sebastian wrote. Um, he also played harmonica on Roadhouse Blues by The Doors. and He, he was classically trained, it, I imagine. There, there <laughs> you go. Uh, he wrote um, with a Welcome Back Cotter theme. Really? Yeah. The guy from The Loving Spoonful wrote, wrote the, welcome the Welcome Back, back Cotter. Cotter thing. Play the Welcome Back Cotter thing. What can This is just do? a little, little break with the Welcome Back. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. 
Welcome back. Welcome back, Carter. And, Welcome and back, Josh I just Josh. really wanted to hear the song when I started talking about it. You I know, my knowledge of that song, I didn't watch much Welcome Back, Carter. I'd seen some clips, and, you know, I knew it was uh, a John Travolta vehicle at the time, but uh, but my knowledge of that song really came from in 1996 when there was a brief Van Halen, David Lee Roth reunion when they came out together at the MTV Awards, and everybody was like, <gasps> um, the, they played that song on MTV. With, as a commercial with clips of David Lee Roth like dancing around. Oh, dude. Like, just yeah. MTV got all the feels. They've never done that for anybody yeah. else that I know of. And they were like, welcome back, Dave. So that's that's what I know what they're talking from. They yeah. didn't do that for Gary Sharon. No. Like, no. They were like, welcome <laughs> out. <laughs> welcome gone. Um, yeah, he also played on a Timothy Leary song, You Can Be Anything You Want, which I didn't know that song, but that was the first album known for sampling. Oh, really? That was the first sampling Interesting. album was on that. Um, he also had a pretty uh, famous jam session with Jimi Hendrix, apparently. Um, that was pretty pretty big. So John Sebastian, done a lot. Wow. Um, He's a, uh, impressive. Like, impressive range of uh, stylistic writing. Sure, yeah. He's done everything from TV jingles to playing with the doors to somewhere in the city. Yeah. Um, on guitar, Zal Yanovsky. Uh, busted in 1967 for marijuana, and he plea bargained and gave up his dealer to keep him from getting deported back to Canada. Whoops. Yep, gave up the dealer, and there was all kinds of fan backlash after this, after this <laughs> which led him to being removed from the band. Wow. So, like, at that move got him out of the band so man he had a good good thing in 66 stitches right right that's good snitches get stick stitches um he was the first one to popularize the cowboy hat for rock musicians really was the guitar player from love and spoonful well i i pretty much hold that against him yeah you don't you're not a fan of the cowboy no Mm -mm. don't don't let kid rock hear that (laughs) He, he then when he got kicked out of the band went on to play with chris christopherson um, and then in 1970, he reunited with Sebastian at the Isle of Wight. And this is a cool story. Somebody wrote a handwritten note on a piece of toilet paper and, like, scribbled it on some toilet paper and handed it down to Sebastian. Like, like here, pass this down. And through this handwritten note on toilet oh, paper. Like, and they said, this dude's here. Yeah, like, he's here. Like, you'll want to catch up with him. He'll meet you. And no they wrote, they communicated by handwriting on toilet paper, <laughs> which I think is the neatest thing ever. That's funny. It's amazing that that survived. Like, yeah. Well, I don't know if it was the same piece. I don't know actually how that would go down. If they would, <laughs> I guess that was just kind of cool. They're like, let's go find some more toilet paper and pass these notes. <laughs> I typically don't carry that in my back pocket or anything. Right. Um, and then he died in 2002 of a heart attack. Wah, wah, wah. Right. Uh, on bass, Steve Boone. Um, like most bass players, he started on guitar, and the band needed a bass player. So there you go. Um, when they asked who he his, lost the he lost the coin toss. Yeah, he lost the flip. I, into the straw. I was that guy in the Chattanooga Blues. There's three <laughs> guitar players. We need a bass player. Well, it's gonna be me because I'm not 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 as good as you guys. And they asked uh, who his musical influences were on bass. And he's like, nah, I don't know anybody's name. Like, not one bass player's name. He's like, it's not like I have a collection of bass player baseball cards. <laughs> bass player cards. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, he's related to Daniel Boone. Really? Yeah, so Steve Boone related to Daniel Boone. Yeah. Um, and he used to play Fender, but as he got older, he's like, these are too heavy. I'm only playing Ibanez. And so he ended up just playing Ibanez. Yo, it's like, true. Hey, Fender, if you're listening... 
I'm sorry if we're on the verge of a sponsorship. Your bases are heavy. We'll we'll sponsor your light edition bases. Yes. Yeah, that'll be yes. it. We'll, we'll go around the country demoing them. That's right. Chambered, hollowed out bases. There you go. There you go. Um, on drums, Joe Butler, um, whose first instrument is actually the auto harp. Okay. Um, he has a famous... The auto harp for people who are listening. Yeah, give some auto harp. It's right. that weird kind of... Um, triangular instrument with a hole in the middle. It's got a bunch of strings, kind of like a dulcimer, but it also has kind of like key things, and you strum it, and... You do a of, lot. Yeah. Pretty it seems, busy instrument. seems like a lot of stinking work. Yeah. Uh, Joe Butler has a famous actress daughter named Yancey Butler. It says she's famous, but I don't know I know her she, name. I don't know what no, she well, I'm going to IMDB her while you're... Okay, while you're, while you're doing that, he's going to look up Yancey Butler. Yeah. Um, on electric piano... Artie Shrek or Shroke, I might be mispronouncing the name, it's S-C-H-R-O-E-C-K, played electric piano, and he's most notably known as being an arranger. He arranged um, I've Got You Under My Skin by The Four Seasons, and he also arranged uh, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You for Frankie Valley, not Lauren Hill. Okay. But, um, yeah, so known as an arranger. So that's the, that's the Meet the Band section of Love and Spoonful. Did you find anything on Yancey Butler? Uh, yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff. I don't know necessarily what I would know her from, um, because her website only has names of movies and not pictures. Oh, okay. So, well, uh, she was on Law and Order in 1990. Um, <laughs> so is know. everyone. She was in Savage Weekend, aka The Upstate Murders, in 1979 as Little Girl. <laughs> um... So yeah. So she, you big Yancey Butler fans out there? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. How much well, so let's meet the band. She's in the Wild Thornberries. Okay. As tourist number three. There we go. So that was probably her breakout role there. She, and then she got pigeonholed into just being tourist number three roles and she just quit acting after that. <laughs> She's like, I'm tired of being tourist number three, you guys. I want to go back to being little girl. I, <laughs> I can do other things. I can do other things. Uh, is that... That's all for me. That's the band, right? the band. All right, that's we're the band. moving on. Um, this song uh, was used at the beginning of the movie "Die Hard with a Vengeance." While we're talking about movies, um, the song plays throughout the opening credits, showing different scenes of New York City uh, until a building blows up. Um, now, here's where I said I'm going to circle back around to Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. Okay. Die Hard with a Vengeance, starring, of course, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Um, Bruce Willis was also in the movie Striking Distance uh, in 1993. Die Hard with a Vengeance came out in 95, but Striking Distance came out in 1993. It was, uh, I believe, the debut, at least major movie debut of Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, But in that movie, a recurring theme is that the uh, bad guy in the movie keeps using the song Little Red Riding Hood by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Um, so a little weird connection because this song was at number one when Little Red Riding Hood was at number two, huh. and both those movies appeared prominently in Bruce Willis movies in oh, the mid nineties cool. within two years of each other. How about that? So, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, right? if you circle back, I'll circle back. Good. I mentioned Gatorade earlier accidentally, not yeah. even meaning to tie this in, but Gatorade used this song for their like commercials and their theme songs for years. Yeah, which is kind of cool in of itself. But the, th- the thing I think is neat: Gatorade was released in nineteen sixty five. And this song was released in 66. True. So they both kind of had their upbringing together. Yeah. Somewhere in the city in Gatorade. And then, what, 40 years after they were both created, this gets used as the as a, as a theme song. You know, the little bam, 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 bam. I can see, I, I remember those Gatorade commercials. Yeah. Uh, that's very cool. It was used in ads depicting the history of, of Gatorade. 
Um, it was very cool. That was before the Like Mike years. Yeah, what? Like no, Mike. I think that was after the Like was Mike it? years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 96, 97? No, I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We're all living in the Like Mike years. Okay, just real quick. We're not going to get deep into this. Jordan or LeBron? No, oh, Jordan. Jordan? Jordan. Yeah. Are you LeBron? No, no, no. I think I'm a Jordan guy, too. Okay, good. Yeah. Good job. I, I'm so, not the basketball, um, um, you better know, Better athlete, master you are, LeBron. Yeah. Best, maybe the best athlete ever yeah. um, in terms of an athlete. But basketball player? You can't. Well, I'm, I'm 36. We're, we're, I'm products of, yeah, yeah. we're products of our age, of our, for yeah. sure. Uh, you know, our parents were like, Dr. J, are you stupid? My grandfather's like, Bill. Bob Cousy. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you guys never saw Jerry uh, Jerry West. Jerry West, yeah, <laughs> who is the guy on the logo of the That's NBA right. logo? Nickname okay. the logo because he earned it. It's um, a good nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm always impressed by the, going back to the song now. Going back to what we do. Going back to like not you know our field of our field of expertise here. Um, but I, I, I really like the intensity of this song. It's very. It's got a lyric and a cadence. Uh, that that really drive the rhythm, right? It's just very. It just keeps moving. The whole song keeps moving, um, and and then you get to the chorus, and even the um, the the cadence p- scales back a little mm-hmm. bit. You know what I mean? At night, it's a different world. The enunciation oh, is different. completely different in the verse than the chorus. Like Absolutely. you can sing anything in the verse, and doesn't like you did. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but it's you just can the Adam feeling. Right, exactly. You know, and you can basically say anything you want. But the but it's the 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 chorus is gets that major key lift and a more relaxed lyric, a more relaxed uh, uh, delivery, all that stuff. His voice is softer in the... Find your girl. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's and it's it's actually sung in a lower register. So mm-hmm. he's like, you know, and then he gets to the chorus, at night, it's a different world. It's a lower... Everything about it is softer, gentler, smoother. Maybe that's why they, you know, maybe they didn't want to go up to the major key and make the melody, make it come out strong. Maybe they wanted more intense, to be able to, they wanted to soften it a little bit, make it a little more gentle. Um, and I think that's so cool because, you know, we've, I think we've talked before about, you know, they say the basics of, of music is tension and release. And man, is that evident in this song. The verses are so tense, just mm-hmm. full of like, and just, you know, the feel wise. I mean, it's got a jackhammer in it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, uh, and then, and then, and then the chorus is this major key, um, you know, happy, everything's going to be fine. Such a good release when you mm-hmm. get to the chorus of this song. Makes you enjoy summer, whereas you hate summer at the beginning of yeah. the song, but by the end you're like, man, I'm glad it's summertime. You know, it's like they said, but oh, oh, those summer nights. They, oh, oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, oh, uh. oh, there you go. There's you know, a summer, summer song reference. Ugh, I hate Grease. Yeah. Oh, hate, I like Grease. Oh, man. Oh, you remember oh. in like 1994, it was probably like 20th anniversary of the movie or something, so whatever year that would have been. That they started playing the Grease Mega Mix oh, for, yeah, for like a summer. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! I heard that more times than I have. I don't know than I have been awake. Like I, I don't I know how it's possible, Grease. but confession. Oh. I, I like Grease. Oh man, that Mega Mix just did me in. I, I could not. No way. Summer loving. Keep it. You can have it. <laughs> Give me the loving spoonful. You know what I'm saying? That's your summer song. Yeah. Give me the loving spoonful. Any uh, other, any other summer songs? Uh, my brain immediately goes, uh, to, um, well, Summertime by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Which we will cover. Which we will be covering shortly. Um, and, uh, Summer Song by Joe Satriani, which is, uh, 
It was used, I think, in the commercial for the, I believe, the Sony Discman as opposed to the Walkman. Not the Walkman? Yeah, I think it was cutting edge. The Discman. And I thought um, for years, it it would say, like, it was basically just done like a music video. And it's instrumental, Joe Satriani, you know, guitar player. um, And so it's just this, you know, thing playing. It's high energy. And people are like skateboarding with their Discmans on. You know what I mean? It's that kind of like mid 90s aesthetic. And and then it said down at the bottom, Summer Song, Joe Satriani, and then the album name, The Extremist. And I thought for several years until I was introduced to Joe Satriani by my cousin that that was just a made-up thing, that they were just trying to make it look like a music video and so that they just put that information. But it literally was like, it was, you know, yeah. Um, We talked about doing Summer 69. That's a popular one. Summer Breeze, we've mentioned that before. Yes. Boys of Summer. Um, Cruel Summer, do you know that one? The Banorama song? No. It's cool keyboard riff. Bananarama? Bananarama. They oh. did a, you know Bananarama? They I know Bananarama. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, Cruel Summer. It's on the Karate Kid soundtrack. Oh. Uh, back to okay. Karate Kid, Daniel Snow. Uh, in the Summertime. In yeah. the Summertime. Oh, When the Weather is Right. Yeah. Now Mungo, that, Mungo that's a Jerry. jug band. That's a jug band. That is a freaking jug band. The guy's name band. is Mungo Jerry. They and, look, and there's banjo chords. Yeah. I mean, but, literally, you want to, that is a perfect example of a jug band Play In the Summertime. All right, Here's a jug band song for you. Mungo Jerry. Come on! That's a freaking jug band. Tune that piano or I'm gonna murder you, son. In the summertime, when the weather is high, you can stretch right up and touch the sky. No tension there. No tension. Somehow I feel like this song was influential on David Lee Roth. I don't know how. But do you hear it? Yeah. You got women. Never you got women got on your mind. Wow. This, this, do yourselves a favor and look up the album or the, yeah, look up the album In the Summertime by Mungo Jerry. Just look at him. Just look at him for a second. He looks, literally looks like, um, he, he literally looks like Andre the Giant had a disappointing son. Like, <laughs> Anyway, that is a freaking jug band. Uh, my goodness. I've always thought that song was hilarious. <laughs> Just, like, that guy got a record deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that guy has a song that still gets played <laughs> somehow. He's the guy that comes to the gatherings, and they're like, crap, Mungo Jerry's here Mungo with this banjo. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, he's back. He's going to want to sing. Oh, he's man. He's there annoying everybody. Exactly. Yeah, he's not going to leave until we let him sing. We're going to let him do his song. Just let him do the, yeah. okay, who's going to do the, who's going to do the, ch- 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 uh-huh. ch- he's like, every show, you know, he's like, okay, audience, I need your help here. I need to teach you something. Okay, I need you guys. It goes like this. Ch- 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 and he makes them do it the whole song. They, yeah. don't, they don't even get to listen to the song because they're too busy going. <laughs> Man, sorry. Mungo Jerry's got me all thrown off here. All thrown off. Um, do you have any notable covers of this song? Uh, you go ahead. Roll okay. uh, uh, a couple of couple of notables. There are uh, quite a few. Jeff Cocker. One, one that I heard that was, um, I can't remember who it was by exactly uh, because it was one of those that was so much like the original that I thought, why did you even do that? Like, <laughs> It was just exact. It was. A, it's a little bit faster, but everything about it is. It's. It's sort of like the. Um, the knockoff brand version. You know okay. what I mean? It's like if the equate. 
Yes, uh, it's it, the, it, was, it was exactly the equate. It was almost the same choice. Yes, of love and spoon. Yes, it was the um, you know like yes. There's a great line in in the show Thirty Rock. I don't know if you watched the show Thirty Rock where they um, they come from New York to down south and like everything just has a slightly different name. So like the lead character who's played by Tina Fey, she gets sick and she's like, "Do you have any Pepto Bismol?" And they give her this you know bottle of pink stuff and she's like, "Peppy Biz Milk." <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. that you know what I mean. It's, uh-huh. it's the it, there's somebody's got a version that's the Peppy Biz Milk. It's of, the Magic Stars to Lucky Charms. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, it's the bag cereal. Yeah, of <laughs> crispy hexagons. What is this thing? <laughs> Those of y'all that don't know about the life oh, of, of the Mosier childhood, crispy <laughs> hexagons, crisp rice. So, like, thanks for thanks for playing. Man. Oh man, <laughs> uh, we covered a crisp rice song in season one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so yeah, that it's like. Why did you do that? You know what I mean? I feel like maybe this guy's intention was literally just to make people think it was his song to begin with. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's that close uh-huh. that, like, you were just trying to confuse people in the record <laughs> shop into buying your record instead. Yeah. Um, but a uh, couple other notable covers. One by Styx, which I know you're a big what? fan of. How have I not it's, heard this? It's terrible. I love Styx. It's awful. Uh, it's really bad. Um, but i tell you one that is not bad at all. It is, in fact, very, very good, and that is the Joe Cocker version. Let's play you a little bit about that uh, of that one, and uh, we'll probably just take you out. Send, on him, it. send him out. That sounds fact, good. So good. It's slower, um, and it's different. It's you know the the chorus on the the instrumentation on the chorus of the Love and Spoonful version gets bigger. It kind of releases to a bigger thing. Joe Cocker's version releases almost to almost to like a reggae vibe. That sort of groove anyway um see for yourself see what you think yeah see what you think we're gonna we're, we're gonna take you out on joe cocker's version of summer in the city uh this has been episode 20 whatever of the great <laughs> song podcast uh thank you for listening wherever you are itunes podbean stitcher wherever you are thanks so much for spending some time with us this have week. a great summer man have a great summer go get a frozen and just stand out in the street that's what you do in the and summer sweat. right play play croquet is that what people do in the summer is that when do you, what's crooked? I don't know. Start a jug band. There you go. Start a jug band. Get some household. Right. You know. Call up Mungo Jerry. We know he's God, not, a, he's yeah. not employed. He, no, he ain't doing nothing. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting on he's somebody's porch. for the call. Yeah. He's, he's sitting on somebody's porch in your neighborhood right now. Go find You'll him. You'll probably have to say, Sarah, get me the diner. And then Sarah, get me Mungo Jerry. <laughs> because that'll be the only way to track him down. That's right. Old school phone. All right. We'll see you next week on the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music. Despite the heat